Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of our podcast, Medics. My name's Sid. I'm an aspiring medic, of course. And today we're joined by Jack. Hello, my name's Jack. I'm um, an aspiring technological genius who is the dumb one going to be asking questions to these medics. And we also have Kishore. Hello, I'm Kishore, and I'm also an aspiring medic. And our newest member, Kashika. Hi, I'm Kashika, and I aspire to be a medic as well. Yeah, so three aspiring medics instead of two. Uh, so today's episode, or today what we're going to cover is sports science or physiology. So it's all going to be about how our bodies have evolved over time, what we do to keep our bodies healthy and happy. So Jack, let's get us started. Sid, you mentioned physiology, but what is physiology? Interesting question, Jack. I'm glad you asked. So if you sort of look it up in a textbook, you'll see that it says it's a branch of biology that discusses, that uh, explores the, the mechanisms of living things from the basis of cell function at the ionic and molecular level to the integrated behavior of the whole body and its influence on the external environment. But what does that even mean? That's just a bunch of words. <laughs> So essentially, it's the science of life. It's the science of what our bodies are, what they do, how they function, and how we, we stay alive, how life works as such. So uh, a lot of jobs uh, in today's world heavily involve sort of physiology. So things like obviously being a doctor, your entire, um, your entire career is based upon physiology. You deal with patients on a day-to-day basis and you treat their ailments and you treat their discomforts and you help them feel better. But as well as that, you get things like uh, bio, uh, biomechanics, bio, uh, bioengineers uh, and sort of people who work on understanding the elements of the human body and how they function in order to get a better understanding of what a human is, what it means to be a human, how we can, you know, treat certain diseases, cure certain diseases, and how we can maximize what we get out of our bodies. So uh, you'll find that sports, so specifically focusing on sports science, athletes, they don't have it easy. They have a lot of sort of fine details, technicalities, which they have to sort out. They have to have a routine. They have to have a plan as to how they use their bodies, how they exercise, how they work out, what they eat. Everything has to be planned in such a way that they maximize their potential output. So that's basically what sports science is. You're maximizing performance and endurance for events and competitions, but as, at the same time, you're also lessening the risk of getting injured. So that's in, in, a, in a nutshell what we're going to be discussing today. All right. So you mentioned athletes and obviously athletes are very different to average humans. Cause like they're very, you know, they're, they're advanced in their field. They're very swole. They have a lot of muscle. Uh, how, how do they get to that point of, uh, you know, being a top notch athlete? Yeah. So obviously that involves a lot of exercise as such. So oh. they have to train themselves in the correct way. So, Kashika, would you like to run us through that? Uh, yeah, so um, when you exercise, 
your body starts to respire more. This could either be aerobic or anaerobic, which we'll talk about later. But muscles, they need energy from respiration to contract. So when you exercise, some of your muscles um, contract more frequently. So you need more energy. And this energy comes from even more respiration. So basically, the higher the respiration rate, that means the more oxygen your cells are getting. So when you exercise, your breathing rate and your breath volume sorts of increases along with your heart pumping faster so that more oxygen comes into your blood and then your heart to move the oxygenated blood around your body, which also removes carbon dioxide at the same time. And sometimes when you do really sort of vigorous exercise like sprinting and your body can't supply oxygen, um, your cells start to respire anaerobically, but obviously that's not the best way to do but yeah, that's what happens to your body when you exercise. You mentioned uh, anaerobic and aerobic respiration. What are, what are they? What, what does that involve? Um, I can explain that. So aerobic, exp- aerobic respiration is when your cells use oxygen to convert um, energy stores, such as fats and sugars, into more accessible um, sources of energy like uh, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which most of your cells use as an energy currency of sorts. So they can use it to um, to either power their movements or if you're for a muscle, uh, muscle contraction requires large amounts of ATP. So cells that are very active have a large number of mitochondria, which are which produce ATP from um, substances such as glucose and sugars. Uh, anaerobic respiration is when your cells have to do the same thing, but they do it without um, oxygen because you can't always have sufficient oxygen supply for all your cells to work at optimal um, capacity. So sometimes you need to use other um, electron acceptors other than oxygen as sources of energy. So they will make the same ATP, but they'll use uh, a different uh, reaction mechanism to do it. So they can't use the Krebs cycle. They would have to use some other more complicated cycles, such as fermentation, which results in the production of byproducts such as ethanol and lactics, which one of which is lactic acid, that aren't ideal for your body. So your body tries to avoid anaerobic respiration as much as possible. Um, so especially if you're an athlete, um, you'll need to carefully monitor what kind of respiration you're using at all times. So yeah, I wanted to add to that. Um, you get sort of runners so you get professional runners who um they have to sort of specifically train in a certain way to maximize because they want to maximize their energy output whilst causing as little damage to their body as possible as i mentioned earlier maximize performance lessen the risk of injury now obviously uh you know kashi has already told us about how when you do aerobic respiration you're just breaking down the energy and you're just releasing it but when you do anaerobic respiration you release lactic acid and that can sort of cause cramping up of your muscles and muscle soreness and things so obviously it would make sense for runners who are constantly using their legs constantly using their muscles to try and maximize the amount of aerobic respiration they're doing and minimize the amount of anaerobic respiration they're doing how this is done just more oxygen but the way they do this is quite interesting so um, they'll go and they'll normally train in higher up altitudes. 
because when you go higher up, the air is thinner. And when the air's thinner, your body produces more hemoglobin in its blood. So that's just what carries oxygen around to your cells. So if there's being more hemoglobin being produced, then the body can carry more oxygen to the respiring muscles. And there'll be more aerobic respiration done, less anaerobic respiration done, and their endurance will ultimately improve. And yeah, so on to our next topic now. Uh, I was talking about respiration, Arabic anaerobic respiration. That's just one of many, many millions of chemical processes that happen in our body at the same time. So although respiration is important, it's not the only process that determines how our bodies make energy, how we perform. There's a whole range of other chemical reactions that happen in our body. And that's known as the metabolism. So, yeah, I, I just said, so your metabolism is every single chemical reaction spontaneously happening in your body to, I don't know, make you lift up your hand and pick up this, uh, this, this cup of coffee. So metabolism, you know, every, every single one of these, these uh, chemical reactions is essential. It's something that you can't live without as such. And uh, you, you find that water is something that all sort of athletes universally agree. You have to drink enough water. And this is, people say, it's, oh, it's so that you, you cool down, you replenish yourself. It's actually mainly because this metabolism that your body's constantly doing, it involves the use of water as a metabolite, it's called. So it's just like a medium for the reactions to happen in. So drinking this water, not just hydrates our mouth, it hydrates our entire body. So water can enter our cells, it can keep them strong, it can keep them turgid. And, you know, it's that, that's why water is extremely important. Dehydration is uh, a really big problem uh, because if you don't, if your body doesn't get enough water, these uh, cells don't have the medium that they need, the metabolite they need for metabolism to occur. And as a result, you know, you won't be able to do these processes. Your body will start experiencing these malformalities. You'll get sort of tiredness. You won't be producing enough energy. And, you know, that can slowly kill you. So, uh, you know, they said that a human can live, I think it was three to four days without food, but they can barely survive 24 hours without water. So it really does... It's one of the most important things that you ensure that you drink enough water every day. In, um, in, in a medical setting, so in a hospital, you'll find that a lot of patients can sometimes come into uh, the hospital quite dehydrated. They'll sort of be, they, that's why a lot of doctors, you'll find they'll, their main prescription when people are ill will be just drink lots and lots of fluids because it ensures that, you know, your bodily systems are still working, you know, your kidneys are still producing urea, excreting urea in your urine. Uh, and obviously metabolism keeps going at a, a high, as high possible rate. So yeah, that's all about metabolism from me. Um, so you mentioned metabolism. Does it vary from person to person? Yeah, so you'll sort of get different people who have different amounts of chemical reactions happening in their body. So uh, some, of, some of my friends... Um, they have ridiculously fast metabolisms. They can eat 
a million things all in one go and they won't put on a single bit of weight it'll all just leave them and you know that because their body just processes all of that so quickly and they use up all that energy so quickly that none of it gets deposited as fat so in that sense they're kind of lucky but and then you also get people with slower metabolisms and sort of if they're overweight or obese it can be a bit harder for them to lose weight it can be a bit harder for them to you know be athletic so yeah it does vary from person to person and it sometimes it can be something you're born with sometimes you can sort of live by a certain diet live by a certain exercise regime to change your metabolism but yeah it it, it does vary between people. Hmm. would you say it depends on uh, the size of the person or is it just random even you, you can get sort of largely stockly built people with quite fast metabolism sometimes. Um, it, 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 it's, it just depends, really. So obviously, when it comes to metabolism, it's the, the, the oxygen to the... It's, it's all the reactions, the oxygen to the muscles, all right? That's what I'm, that's what I'm gathering, but... Yeah. That's one thing, yeah. But um, when, when, when you get the oxygen to the muscles, do, does... Would it be harder if the person had bigger muscles? Would it would it take longer, and would the process be you know harder for the blood? Oh, so this is specifically about muscle growth, right? Kisho, do you want to take us over that? Um, your question was about oxygen reaching yeah, muscles, right? Yeah, would the would the process be slowed down depending on how big the muscles are? Um, no, because um, if you're an athlete, you would have quite a large amount of muscle mass, so. But in the process of developing the muscle mass, you you would also have incredible cardio along the way. So your heart would be able to pump more blood and they will probably also have a high hemoglobin um, concentration in their red blood cells. So they'll have more oxygen. So they would have um, what's known as a higher concentration gradient between um, the b- blood in the muscle and the blood outside the muscles. So slowly the hemoglobin will diffuse into the muscles and it will just the, the rate would kind of balance out because the higher amount of hemoglobin and blood flow would kind of cancel out the extra diffusion distance. So, yeah, so if you're more aesthetic, it will kind of make up for it. So the harder, the more amount of oxygen you need, your body will automatically make it up in some form of... Well, how do I get bigger muscles, Keyshaw? The most common way of increasing muscle growth is just continuous resistance training on your muscles. Because the way you grow muscles is by causing micro tears in your muscle um, tissues, which your body will then have to rebuild. But when it rebuilds the muscle tissues, it rebuilds them stronger and bigger than they were before. So it's very gradual because you can't add a significant amount of muscle in a short span. You would have to do over long periods of time because your body needs to constantly su- supply the proteins which make up the muscles. Um, and you'll also need to slowly have the enzymes to uh, build up the muscle. So it takes a long time. So you just need to constantly do resistance training for a long period of time. Keisha, how does how do muscles get smaller? Um, so the loss of muscle tissue is known as muscle atrophy. Uh, and there's three ways you can have that. There's physiological atrophy, there's pathological atrophy, and neurogenic muscle atrophy. So physiological is when is the most common type by far. It's when people don't use their muscles enough. They either uh, have seated jobs, um, they don't move around much, uh, or if you're in space, that's very high risk for muscle atrophy. And that's why astronauts do huge amounts of exercise when they're in space to keep their bones and muscles strong. 
because their muscles lose strength rapidly because they're not using it. Um, there's pathologic atrophy, which is getting older, not having enough food, and um, having a disease. It's it's more rare, but it's also um, a lot more dangerous because if you lose too much weight too fast, because let's say you're sick, your body can just spiral out of control. Because as you get weaker, your body loses its ability to fight the pathogen. So, and then which makes it even weaker and it can slowly spiral out into a death spiral. And there's neurogenic atrophy, which is the most severe type. And it comes from injury or disease of a nerve connected to a muscle. And so if the nerves connected to your muscles die, since the nerves are the reasons your muscles are able to contract and um, expand in coordination, the entire muscle group will slowly die out. So this is the most dangerous one. And that's about it when it comes to muscle atrophy. Uh, the opposite of that would be muscle hypertrophy. Athletes often tear their um, ACL and their Achilles if they put too much pressure on their feet for a long period of time. Um, this is because they constantly strain those muscles for a long time. So if you're strength training, let's say, you would give those muscles time to heal and those muscles will then re rebuild and then re they'll rebuild stronger. And that's how you gain muscle. But the problem is if you train them for too long, too hard, you can end up just tearing the muscle altogether. And your body can't repair major tears at uh, uh, fast enough speeds because a lot of protein would be needed to apply to a specific area at a very high rate for it to rebuild those muscles. And it can often take years for athletes to regain um, muscle strength in areas where they've had serious injuries. And that's why athletes also have personal trainers. So the purpose of these um, physiotherapists and personal trainers is they target specific training programs to their muscle types. So for example, if um, you need to gain more upper body strength, they would have a specific program trained ready and they'll have a program ready for use before you actually start the thing. So they know when you get tired and they know when you need a time off. So design it based on your specific needs to see how they can maximize your development at a, uh, a fast enough speed. Um, so yeah. another major concern for athletes other than major injuries is fatigue. Because let's say you're an NBA player. Playing for a whole season can be extremely tiring. So and that's where um, fatigue comes in. And, play, and athletes and normal people alike have to be very careful about fatigue. So can someone elaborate on fatigue? Um, yeah, so like Kishore was saying, long periods of exercise um, cause muscle fatigue, which is where the muscles basically just get tired and stop con uh, contracting efficiently. Um, so there are three types of fatigue, um, but the, I think the more common one is transient fatigue, which is brought on by extreme sleep restriction or extended hours awake within one or two days. So that's basically if you're not getting your eight hours every day. Um, I think everyone experiences some form of fatigue, whether it be mild or um, slightly more concerning at some point in their lives. There's lots of different symptoms, but the more common ones I'd say is constant tiredness, headaches, dizziness, and then obviously muscle fatigue would cause your muscles to feel weaker or they'd feel sore. Um, there's also extreme tiredness, which is from mental or physical exertion. So that means when you're constantly working on something you want to get done or constantly working out at the gym. Um, 
so yeah if we don't look after our bodies where we're supposed to they won't let us do and carry out the essential um, processes that it needs to do to survive properly if you use your muscles too much would that also would would, would that have any effect on it right so overusing muscles um, or overstraining muscles makes them more vulnerable to serious injuries so for example um, athletes have to be very careful about this because uh, a common example would be uh, for people that play uh, very intense sports like basketball. They often tear their ACL or um, their Achilles. And these are very dangerous injuries and they can take you out indefinitely. Um, and the reason why those uh, muscle damage, those muscle tears occur is when you constantly put pressure on your muscles for a long time, they get weaker and weaker. If you give them time to rest, which is what um, people trying to build muscle do, that's why they have off days when you're doing um, strength training, um, your muscles rebuild stronger. And, but if you, don't, if you constantly pressure them on a consistent level for a long period of time, 